We can all relate to the amount of stress we're feeling in recent days. We hear it in the news, in our social media, and in conversations. Pandemic, virus, joblessness, economic crisis, social unrest. Our worries are compounded. Well, I contract the is virus. My child is my child my country? It's a feeling of being at the end of our rope. But God invites us to trust Him. Through these trying times, we can rejoice knowing He has a plan and a purpose in these days. Using this time to better learn to live in faith, we will find peace as He walks alongside us. There is really hope at the end of your rope. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I want to remind you that we are in person next Sunday on all three campuses. Come and be a part. Come and see all your friends and come and be a part of in-person services beginning next Sunday. There was an elderly woman who had three grown sons and all three of her sons had become extremely financially wealthy. And they all decided for her 80th birthday that they would give to her extravagant gifts. The oldest son decided that he would buy his mother a new house. The second son decided that he would buy his mother an extravagant luxury car. And the third son had decided that he would buy his mother a specially trained, totally white feathered parrot who had been trained to memorize the entire New Testament. Can you imagine that? A parrot who had memorized the whole New Testament. Well, her birthday came and all three of her sons gave her their presents. Two weeks later, she sent every one of them a note. To her older son, she said to him, sweetheart, that gift of a new house was so special, so valuable. I am so grateful to you, but I love my house right now and I don't really want to move. And so I hope you'll understand. The second son received a letter from his mother and she said, I love you, son, with all of my heart. And that was so kind of you to give me a luxury car. But I love my old car and I've decided to keep it. I hope that you'll understand. Then to the third son, she sent a note and she said, my dearest son, I want you to know that your gift was the very favorite gift because it was so simple. And I want you to know that chicken was delicious. I love that story. Maybe it'll take a second to grab it, but that was a great story. We are in a series and now at the end of the series of a series entitled Hope at the End of Our Rope. As we've been going through this series together, we are living out the worst pandemic in 100 years of human history. They're going to be talking about this pandemic for another 100 years and 200 years. We are actually living out a very important time in history. And probably there have been times in which every one of us have felt like we were at the end of our rope. I have felt the very same way. 
But it's a good thing to come to the end of our road because only when we come to the end of ourselves do we come to the beginning of God. A miracle is only needed when a miracle is required. It is a good thing when God shows up in our life. Over the course of these six weeks, as we've talked about hope at the end of our rope, we've actually addressed several things. For instance, in the very first message, we talked about the reasons God allows us to go through hurt, hurtful times and hard times and, and heartache and difficulty. Why does God let us go through these times? Why doesn't he stop them from happening into our life? Why are they so important for us? What is he doing? How is he growing us? How is he making us stronger? We looked at Romans chapter 5 as we walked through that message together. And then, then the second week, we talked about choose faith, not fear. The third week, choose wait, not worry. And the fourth week, we talked about choose an attitude that will give you altitude. Don't just live through these days. Use these days. Change your attitude in your heart and you will see everything begin to transform in front of your very eyes. Choose to live these days with an attitude that gives you altitude. And then last Sunday, we talked about don't forget to live today. Don't just check off days of the calendar. Don't just wait until some vaccine comes out. Live every day as though it's the last day on the earth. Choose to live today in all of its fullness. And now this morning, as we finish up this series, I want to talk to you about focus on the promises. Yeah, we've got problems and we've got to deal with those problems, but put the focus of your life on the promises God has given to you. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. I want to talk to you about this subject from a passage of scripture in an Old Testament book called the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter one. The Jewish people as a nation are a modern miracle. For the last almost 3,000 years, one nation after another, one group after another, have tried to eradicate them from the face of the earth. But every time, they were the ones, those people that were going after the Jewish people were the ones who were always damaged, not the Jewish people. You see, God made a promise to Abraham that he would bless those who bless him and his descendants, and he would curse those who cursed him and his descendants. And God is a faithful God and remains faithful to this day. Well, God raised up Moses years ago to deliver the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And he brought them out with the powerful hand of God. And then he led them for the next 40 years through the desert and the wilderness. But then he brought them to the edge of the promised land. And God said to Moses, Moses, it's time to come home now. And God appointed Joshua to now be in charge. And God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter one and beginning in verse two, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan river into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. 
Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will ever be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. In this passage of scripture, God actually gives to Joshua three great promises. And what's amazing to me is that in the New Testament, these very same three promises are given to us as followers of Jesus Christ. And so these promises are actually ours as well. Let's take a look at these three promises he gave to Joshua and he has given to us. And the first one is simply this. God promises to provide for our needs. What the people of Israel needed at that very moment was a land, was a place to settle. And he had taken them to this promised Land. God had promised this land to Abraham. And he said to Abraham, I am giving you this land to you and your son Isaac and all of his descendants, and it will be your land forever. And God was faithful to that promise. Then he says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, I will now give you every place where you set your foot just as I promised Moses. You know what God did not promise Joshua? He did not say to Joshua, and by the way, when you cross that Jordan River and you go into the promised land, I'm going to send a legion of angels and they're going to move all the people that are in the promised land, your promised land, out of that land and then you will settle it and you won't have to raise a hand. That is not what God told Joshua. In fact, he told him exactly the opposite. Joshua, when you and the people go in, you're going to have to fight for the land. You're going to have to trust me. Every, every enemy that you face, I will conquer, but you will have to walk with me through that battle. You will have to obey me. God said that if they obeyed him, that he would make sure they had all that they needed. This is a key thing that we've got to grab hold of. You see, with every promise that God gives to us, he always gives us a condition to the promise. I hear so many people quoting the promises of God, but not even talking about the conditions to the promise. But the truth is, with every promise, there is a condition that we must meet. Getting a promise from God and meeting the condition to the promise is the key to your provision. The act of meeting that condition to the promise is the act of the faith upon which God then moves in your life. The truth is, faith is not presumption. It is not walking on thin ice. It is not going out on a limb. It is not doing something crazy. It is not wishful thinking. It is not positive thinking. Faith is obeying the condition to the promise that God has made you. So he made, he made a promise to Joshua. And the condition was, Joshua, with every enemy that you face, you're going to have to obey exactly what I tell you to do. And Joshua took the people of Israel into the promised land and he fulfilled the condition one after another after another. And God delivered that land to them in the very same way. God has promised to meet our needs 
but he has given a condition to that promise. What is the condition to the promise? Well, listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over shall be poured into your lap. And with what measure you measure out, it will be measured back to you again. So stop and think for a moment. What did Jesus just tell us? He gave us a promise. What's the promise? That he'll meet our need. And not just our need, he'll give us more than we need. Good measure, shaken down, pressed together, running over, he says. He will give us even more than we need that will be poured into our lap. But he's also given us a condition to the promise. So what is the condition that he gives to us in Luke 6, 38? Give and then it'll be given back to you. And in fact, with the same measure you give out, it will be measured to you again. In the first year of Kathy and my marriage, we came head to head with the condition to the promise. When we got married, we were still in college. We were both uh, starting our junior year of college. And so both of us had part-time jobs. Kathy had a part-time job and I was the pastor of a small church. I, I was about 20 years of age and, and that church called me to be their pastor, a little country church. And though there is no such thing as a part-time pastor, there is such a thing as a part-time pay. And that's what they gave me. And when we got married and we started that church, I mean, we, we began, I began pastoring that church and we began to live life. It wasn't long until we realized we didn't have enough money to live. We could not make ends meet. No matter how we worked it, no matter how much we went without, we could not make enough income to meet our outgo. It was a rude awakening for us. When I was doing the bills and I came to that realization about a couple of months into now us being married and realizing we cannot do it, I went to God one day and in my prayer, I said to God, God, I can't make ends meet. And so I'm asking you if you would release me from the tithe because I need that money to pay my bills. Here I was a pastor and I'm asking God if he would release me from the tithe. So pathetic. And you know what God said to my heart? He said, Mark, I'm going to release you from the tithe, but now I am, I am demanding a double tithe. In other words, I'm not really releasing you from the tithe. I'm asking for double the tithe. I could hardly believe my ears. As I was praying, I could hardly believe it. And I thought to myself, I, that couldn't possibly be God. I'm sure that's not what, I just imagined that in my mind. But now, every time I prayed, every time I was getting ready to preach, all I could hear from him is, I am demanding double tithe from you. And finally, I made a decision. I said, God, I'm going to make a deal with you. This is before I understood you can't make a deal with God. But I said to God, I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to just keep tithing like I've been doing. Don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, but I'm not going to double tithe unless you tell Kathy that we're supposed to double tithe. And by the way, I'm never bringing this up to her. It was just a few days later. 
Kathy and I were in the car. We were driving together and we were talking about how hard it was and how we could not make ends meet and what would we do. And out of Kathy's mouth was, you know what I think we ought to do? I think we ought to double tithe and really trust God for this. I almost had a wreck. I could hardly believe this came out of her mouth. And I said to her, what have you done? You have no idea what these words mean. I told her the whole story. And you know what she said to me? She said, well, let's do it. Let's just let God be strong in our life. She's always had more faith than me. We began to double tithe immediately. Before we paid any bill, when we got paid, immediately I wrote out a check for double the tithe to God. The most amazing thing began to happen in our life. We told no one that we were doing this. We made the decision. We're not telling our parents. We're not telling our friends. We're not telling anybody at the church. If this is really going to be God taking care of us, let's let God take care of us, not say one word to anybody else. But the most amazing thing happened. After I wrote that first check, we started from time to time getting money in the mail. We had never gotten any money from anybody in the mail before. But people started writing us and saying, you know, God was laying on my heart that I am to give you this money and there'd be a check in the mail. And, and we were stunned by it. God began to speak to different people about giving us money. There were times in which we would get cash in the mail. We didn't even know who sent it. They just wrap it up in a white piece of paper. They would put it in the mail. We never knew who gave us that money, but week after week after week, God took care of us. We were shocked. We never missed a payment. And in fact, we, we were in double tithe for about a year. God didn't release us for about a year. And for that whole year, we were giving 20% to God and God just kept blessing us and blessing us. There was a day I would always, I was in a, I was in a habit of always locking my door when I left and out there in the country, here is this a country church. I'd still lock my car door when I went into church. One Sunday, I forgot to lock my car door. And when that church was over, I went back out to my car. The back seat was full of food, some from their gardens, but other in bags from the grocery store. And the whole back seat was filled with food. I decided that day, I'm never locking my car door again at this church. And I never did again. And every so often there would be the back seat full of food. We didn't even know who was giving us the food. Week after week, God blessed us. God, God took care of our needs. We never missed a bill, not once. In fact, at the end of one month, we had a bunch of money left over. We could hardly believe it. I was so excited. It, wasn't, it wouldn't be that much to us today, but to us then, it was like a million dollars in the bank. And all this money at the end of, I was going to begin a new month with money in my checking account. I could hardly believe it. I was so excited. And then in my quiet time, God spoke to my heart and said, you know, Mark, giving by giving, I not just meaning giving to me, I, you need to give to others who are in need. Like the family in your church that has racked up all those bills at the doctor. I want you to meet their need. Can I tell you, I was so disappointed. I wanted to have money at the start of the next month. But I said, God, whatever you tell us to do, we'll do. 
We knew exactly what family he was impressing my heart with. We went to that doctor. We told them what we wanted to do. When we wrote the check, we ended up paying for every bit of their medical bills and we had $5 left in our checking account. But can I tell you what that meant to us? That in that moment, we were the answer to their prayers that God had used us to meet their needs. And you know, the next week money kept coming and God kept taking care of us. And all through that year, we discovered, boy, God is real. And the promise of him meeting our need and even more is true. But the condition of the promise is just as true. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians chapter four, verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I don't know how many times we hear that verse used. God's going to take care of all my needs. But almost never does anyone ever mention that the key word in the verse is the word and. And my God will supply all your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Why is the word and the key word? Because it hearkens back to the verses before it, verses 14 to 18, where Paul is saying, you have taken such good care of me. You, you've been so generous with me. You've taken care of my needs. You've taken care of each other. You have followed the Lord. You have obeyed him. And now my God will take care of your needs. The word and is talking about the condition to the promise. God says to you and I, I'll take care of your needs. But first, you must give to meet the need of others. And then I will meet your need. The first promise that he gives to us in the passage is God will meet our needs. But there's a second promise, and that is that he will provide the strength to withstand any attack upon our life. Listen to what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 9. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God was saying to Joshua, Joshua, if you will do what I tell you to do, if you will lead the people the way I'm telling you to lead them, there will be people that come up against you. There will be enemies that come against your life. But I'm going to tell you this. I will always stand with you. I will always be there for you. I will always walk with you. I will be your strength. I will be with you wherever you go. Now, he had given Joshua this promise. But just before the big, the first big challenge of Jericho, remember the walls of Jericho? There is Joshua, and I think he's sort of in the, in the woods. He's looking out over the plain where he can see the walls of Jericho. And something happens to Joshua. Look at what takes place. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us? Are you for our enemies? Neither. 
the man replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Now stop for just a moment. Joshua says to who this angel of God, some believe that he is Jesus Christ, that actually in the Old Testament that's appearing, whoever this is, he is the, the commander of the army of the Lord, the angelic realm, and he stands before Joshua and Joshua says, are you for me? Are you for my enemies? And notice what he said, neither. You see, God is not for you or for your enemies. God is for God. And God invites us to join him. God says, no, you're going the direction you're going. I'm not for you. I'm not for your enemies. I am for my will. And if you will adjust where you're going, what you're doing, to line yourself up with me, I will be there for you. I will be your strength. I will be your power. Joshua understood that to mean exactly what I've just described because immediately the Bible says, Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And Joshua did so. God calls you and I to line up with him. Come and follow me. Align your life with the direction that I'm going. And if you will do that, I will fight the battles for you. Anyone comes against you and I will deliver you. But only if we align ourselves with him. God giving us strength, God protecting us. That's a promise. But the condition to the promise is that we align ourselves with the will of God. No matter what causes you to be at the end of your rope, you will not be there by yourself. He will be your strength. Isaiah 54 verse 17, no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. I hear people quoting the first part of that verse, no weapon forged against you will prevail, but they drop the rest of it. No, God says no weapon forged against you will prevail as long as you're telling the truth. As long as you're living for me, as long as you're walking with me. And if you are, I will defend you. I will protect you. I will be your strength and your deliverance. I love Psalm 68 verse 1. Let God arise and let all of his enemies be scattered. God gives to us two promises. I will meet your need and I will be your strength. But both promises have a condition. Come and walk with me. Obey what I tell you to do, and I will meet your needs and more, and I will be your strength. Here's the last promise. God promises success in our lives that are directly tied to his word. And notice what he tells Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, only be strong and courageous. 
that you may observe to do all that uh, is in accordance to the law of Moses that my servant has commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the, the, of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night that you might observe to do it all that is according to it that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Two times in the passage, God says, I'm going to make you prosperous. But don't think that the word prosperous just means financial prosperity. That's really not what he's talking about. He is talking about prosperity of life. You will be able to live life and all of its fullness. I'll be there for you. I'll be your strength. I'll be your courage. And I will make you successful in all of your life if you will do what I've just told you to do. So what has he said? If you will walk in my word, if you will do what I have taught you to do in my word, I will make you successful in all that you do. I will bless you. I will be with you all your life if you will simply obey my word. You know what? We don't have to do that. We can live any way we want to live. We, if you want to be frustrated all your life, you go your own way, do your own thing. God, I will not do what your word says. And I'm going to tell you, you will live a frustrated life. But if you want to live a prosperous life, if you want to live a successful life, make the decision, God, I'm going your way. I am going to align my life with your word. I'm going to obey what you tell me to do. And God makes you the promise, and I will make you successful. So listen to what he's telling us to do. Spend time every day being still before God. Just like Psalm says, be still and know that I am God. Spend a little time every day just being still before God. Second of all, Ask the Lord to help you and begin looking for his direction out of his word. God, every day, teach me more of your word. And whatever you tell me to do, the answer will always be yes. And the third principle is this, wait on God. God has his timing. He's not just trying to get you in the right slot in order to bless you and meet this need. He has others he's trying to move into the right place. Be patient with God. He has his own timing. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. Wait on the Lord. Be willing to be still before God, to be obedient to his word, and wait on his timing. I love this story. It's actually a true story about a little girl who was begging her mother for a kitten. She just pleaded over and over, would you let me have a new kitten? 
Well, her mother just kept push, putting it away, pushing it away. And, and finally, she decided, okay, here's what I'm going to tell her. If God gives you a new kitten, then yes, you may have a new kitten. But her mother never thought that God would ever give her a kitten. Well, the little girl was so excited. She went out to the backyard and her mother was out there in the backyard and the little girl out there in the backyard and she began to pray, this little girl, oh Jesus, would you give me a kitten? My mommy says, if you give me a kitten, I can keep it. And I am not telling you a lie. I'm telling you the truth. Seemingly out of nowhere, flew a kitten and landed harmlessly just a few feet from this little girl. The mother saw it. There was no tree nearby, didn't jump out of a tree. There was nothing to her shock, to the shock of this mother. Out of nowhere, seemingly, maybe out of heaven, who knows, drops this little kitten and lands harmlessly right beside this little girl. They were stunned. They had no answer for it. And the little girl picked up the kitten and hugged the kitten and said, thank you, Jesus, for my new kitten. And the mother was totally mystified. But about a week or so later, she discovered what happened. In the backyard neighbor and down two, two yards from them, there was a family that had a little kitten that had climbed up into this young tree, this new tree. But the kitten had climbed so high and couldn't get down now, higher than the highest ladder that they owned, and there was no way for them to rescue that kitten. And then the man got an idea. He tied a rope to the trunk of the tree way up here, tied a rope to the trunk of the tree high, and tied the other end of the rope to his car bumper, and he started backing his car out, bringing that tree down. And just when he thought he might have gotten it down just enough, didn't break it, he got it down just enough. He stopped, he tried to get out and to, to get that ladder. But before he had the opportunity, the rope broke and the cat just flew. They didn't know where the cat was, what happened to the cat. They couldn't find it. Little did they realize that cat flew right in to the backyard right by that little girl and became her kitten. Now listen to me. If God has the ability to seemingly out of heaven bring a little kitten to a little girl that asks him, all the more God will meet your need. Would you trust him? And the way you and I demonstrate trust is to fulfill the conditions to his promises. And if you will... God will meet your need. The greatest promise God has given to us is the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Would you give your heart to Jesus today? Would you accept him as your savior? He'll save you, forgive you, and cleanse you and make you a brand new person. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the promises that you have given to us. But also, Father, thank you for the conditions. Every promise has a condition. For when we meet the conditions by faith, you bless us, you protect us, you deliver us. And we ask, Father, that you would teach us every day to live by faith, meeting the conditions to the promises. Oh, God, bless our life and teach us how to walk with you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.